Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and I'm the Deputy Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, I am happy to introduce not one, not two, but three guests on the show today. We're going to have a great conversation with Elise Cerberoli, Kelly Perez, and Christine De La Rosa. Let me give some background on them and describe why we're on this show together. Elisa Roli leads global business development at Streamo, bringing global experience in software and multinational food operations to the cannabis space. Elisa is a member of NCIA's state regulatory committee also, focusing on technology compliance, regulatory forces, and informing local governments. Guest number two, Kelly Perez, is the president and co-founder of Cannabis Doing Good, the co-executive director of the Cannabis Impact Fund, and the CEO co-founder of Kind Colorado. She was the human services policy advisor to Colorado Governor, now U.S. Senator John Hickenlooper, and led the creation of the Marijuana Coordination Office in the first legal adult use cannabis market in the world. She's an adjunct professor at University of Denver Graduate School of Social Work. And my third guest is Christine De La Rosa, the co-founder and CEO of The People's Dispensary. And she spent 20 years as a systems and database architect in tech before coming to cannabis. She has her own story and experiences of cannabis as a life-saving wellness medicine, which inspired her to open Benefit Health Collective in 2016, along with her co-founders, to help those who most need access to cannabis. And Christine is active on NCIA's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. So today, we're going to talk about an important new white paper series called Building Foundations in the Cannabis Industry, Creating Gender Parity Through Ownership, Leadership, Boards, Pay pay Equality, Branding, and Capital. But first, let's get to know our guests a little bit better. Let's start with you, Christine. Tell us more about your background and the People's Dispensary. Sure. Um, My background, of course, as you said, is in tech, but now I'm ensconced in cannabis. My story is that I have lupus. So I have a chronic illness and I use cannabis in order to treat my lupus rather than using pharmaceuticals as I had done for five years prior to opening the dispensary. Um, The People's Dispensary is one of the only um, companies that has been built on a social justice, social equity framework, which means for us that everything we do from hiring to purchasing to engagement with our customers comes from the lens of are we being socially just in the cannabis industry? Are we being socially equitable in the cannabis industry? And I think that that is something that 
um, was not being talked about when we first started in 2016. So I'm really proud to be part of this company and to work with all of our uh, employees and all of our partnerships, like with Kelly and with Elise. Awesome. Thanks, Christine. And, and Kelly, your turn. What's, what's happening at Cannabis Doing Good? So much is happening, but Christine's lead off is just such a good connection because the purpose of Cannabis Doing Good is really to pull together the companies that are doing amazing things in racial justice, environmental sustainability, and community benefit. I could see very clearly upon legalization that the communities most impacted were not going to see the benefit of this cultural sea change and legal market. We had nothing in policy in Colorado to uplift that. So I started a private effort to consult to connect cannabis and community and really crafted cannabis social responsibility, CSR in the space. We've been doing that for a long time, but it's really time to step into cannabis doing good and recognize, uplift, um, help educate and move folks along to really be purpose-driven brands in our space in these pillars of, of racial justice environment and, and community, because that's what matters. The Cannabis Impact Fund is our nonprofit arm because it's form fits function. And we, we needed a way to contribute and be a part of the movement for Black Lives because that's an extension of our story. Cannabis is you know, intrinsically connected to anti-Black racism. Mm -hmm. So we started that about six months ago and we are funding from Cannabis the Black Futures Lab, the Color of Change, and the Bail Project outside of cannabis. And within cannabis, we're funding the Hood Incubator and Minorities for Medical Marijuana to really uplift our opportunity to be an actively anti-racist, inclusive uh, sector. So thanks for asking. For sure. Yeah, you have plenty going along on your plate there, Kelly. <laughs> um, and, and Elise, tell us, tell us about yourself and Streamo. Yeah, thank you, Bethany, for having us on. I'm really excited to be here with Christine and Kelly, who I consider to be visionary leaders in the legal cannabis space. Um, I lead global business development for Streamo. So Streamo is the leading ERP platform for the cannabis industry, and ERP stands for Enterprise Resource Planning. We help cannabis businesses cultivators, processors, and distributors manage their supply chain more efficiently and profitably, which helps them standardize and scale. Streamo has built a very user-friendly and innovative platform. Um, and from a software perspective, legal cannabis is really interesting because you have a very complex and dynamic supply chain. You're crossing over agriculture, manufacturing, pharmaceutical, um, and retail under a very strict and changing regulatory framework. It's changing um, state by state and country by country. So Streamo really provides that technology that helps cannabis businesses of all sizes capture and report the right operational and financial data to be successful. Um, working on this project with Christine and Kelly has really opened my eyes to um, the responsibility that every single business in this industry has to build um, an inclusive and anti-racist industry, the likes of which we've not seen before. That's beautiful. Well, I can't wait to dive into uh, deeper topics here in this episode, um, continuing to talk about the reason we're here today. The newly released Gender Parity Report uh, it, it's a partnership effort between NCIA and the ArcView group, 
um, working with a group of amazing individuals across various companies and organizations um, who we'll get to know and, and speak with across this series of about four podcasts as we unpack the various sections of this collection of research on gender parity. Kelly, would you like to speak to the overall goals of this paper, which was a labor of love and sweat and tears, I'm sure, and, and what the overall hope to achieve is with this information, with these papers? Yes, lo- lots of sweat and tears. Well, no tears, but and my love for these two uh, ladies just goes on and on. The original intent of the paper, um, which was a group of volunteers being pulled together to map out gender inequity in the cannabis sector. I think a lot of us are familiar with the um, 37% of cannabis business owners or women back in the day when MJ Biz put that data out. But um, that number has been declining. And when we look at really the data there, that data is not really disaggregated. So we don't know demographics. So what we did in trying to create this land, this um, overview of what was going on with gender inequity in cannabis, we realized there's a lot of missing pieces. We also realized that um, kind of the intersectional nature of not being included really wasn't at top of mind. So how Black women, Indigenous women, LGBTQIA, non-gender conforming folks experience discrimination really differently than white women. So we had many more opportunities than we thought to really dig in deep to not only providing an overview of what was happening with wages and access to capital and equity ownership and boards and who was making up the C-suite, we really had the opportunity in the time, you know, George, Mr. Floyd was killed two weeks before we started this paper. So it was a very, folks who didn't know each other working on something very important to us. And, and frankly, our intent um, didn't quite match the impact that we were able to make. Although this is a super solid offering. Absolutely. It, I think it almost provides more questions. And I have so much to learn from all of the other authors and, and these two just extraordinary to work with. Awesome. Thanks for laying that out. Um, yes, these these papers, I, as I mentioned, are a collection of multiple papers that uh, this very complex topic of gender parity also reaches across. Uh, th- there's a lot of overlap with a lot of issues, and, and we're going to get into that uh, after we come back from a commercial break. Uh, we're going to learn more about the papers that the three of you specifically worked on, and how many individuals total are are credited as authors. I think it's something like 13 or 14 individuals have worked on all this. So it's it's very impactful and very powerful, and we're going to do a deep dive to learn more when we come back from our first commercial break, so stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. 
I'm your host, Bethany Moore with NCIA. And today, my three guests that we've been getting to know are Elise Cerberoli, Kelly Perez, and Christine De La Rosa. Let's take a deep dive into the section of the papers that you three specifically worked on that discusses gender parity in the C-suite, uh, getting to gender parity via anti-racist inclusive strategies. But of course, we're going to encourage everyone to download the full papers yourself. Christine, let's get started with some key takeaways from that paper and, and what those are and, and dive into those a little bit. I think some of the key takeaways um, as I was writing this paper with Elise and Kelly was to really understand all of the roadblocks that we have um, in the cannabis industry, but also in every industry um, so that we don't feel like we're failing. <laughs> I think that that's one of the biggest thing is as a female founder myself, sometimes I was like, why am I not able to get this thing? Or why am I not being able to meet this person? Or why am I not able to raise this money? And you really start to see in here that there's so many things that are systemically against you not specific people that are against you, although I'm sure there's stuff, people like that out there, but really how the system is failing us and why wouldn't it? It was developed specifically to stop people like me from a gender perspective, also LGBTQIA plus people, also people of color and also black people. So that was my key takeaway was, wow, look at all these things that are these systemic roadblocks, like the grass ceiling, like not having the right kind of mentorship, um, about not being part of a dude bro network where I can network and get, you know, different access because I'm not part of that network just by my gender. So one of my key takeaways was like, hey, this is really deep level stuff, meaning that we actually have to address those systemic things before we can start talking about how to get a mentor, how to do this, how to how to um, break the grass ceiling. We actually have to really go in deep. And so that's how we got to the takeaways of what we're telling folks in this industry that they need to work on in their own individual companies to actually have a diverse C-suite, to actually want and understand the power of having the diverse C-suite. You can never get there. I mean, literally you can never get there if you don't do these foundational pieces of work in your own company. And so my key takeaway was, hey, foundational work is first, then you start to build the framework of your company based on those foundations that are now anti-racist. And then you have a shot at becoming diverse, equal, and inclusive. As it says in the paper, $17 million had been put into DEI um, initiatives by 2003. We're now in 2021 and we have not seen that needle move. And the reason that needle did not move was because we did not do the foundational works. And when I say we, I mean the folks that are in power. So not necessarily me, but they didn't do the foundational work which is why DEI has been failing in a lot of these companies. Um, and so those are my key takeaways. Foundation work first, then build the framework to allow for diversity, equity, and inclusion and gender parity. Got it. Yes. Um, Kelly and Elise, I'm sure you have you have some thoughts to add to the takeaways from the paper and, and um, the, the important things you were writing about that people need to hear about. Go for it, Kelly. I love the things that, uh, that Christine laid out because that's right. Our... We, DEI is often, you know, a strategy that's used, but it's not going to the root. 
And so we don't want to bring folks into toxic environments. We don't want to, you know, that's not what we want to do. We want to understand, is this moving us toward, forward our actual goal? If we know all the data say we are a majority minority country by 4045, we know all the data say you do better when you have a diverse board, including women and, and diverse people. We know that we know these companies outperform, but what have been the barriers to us getting there? So I think the takeaways that that Christine mentioned, as well as, you know, many others to lay out that, right, we're not failing, but we have an opportunity like no others have ever had. And there is no sector that's nailing this. And why shouldn't it be us? Especially when we understand the historical context of where cannabis came from, but that also those regulatory frameworks that Elise was alluding to, you know, those are crafted every day. And those are crafted by folks who aren't necessarily, they're trying to do the right thing, but they're not necessarily trying to undo systems of oppression. And while that sounds, you know, pretty ethereal, it actually isn't. That's exactly what we're talking about right now. That is the cultural inflection point that we're at. Elise, do you have things you want to add? Yeah. Thanks, Kelly and Christine. Uh, I think it's been a very eye-opening experience writing this paper. And I want to share some numbers about what structural means, right? We are 51. We women are 51% of the population in the USA, yet in cannabis, 92% of CEOs are male. And most of those, we don't have the specific numbers on that 92% because as Kelly mentioned, we're not disaggregating data at this point, but most of those 92% of CEOs are white, straight men right? And there's nothing against that, but there needs to be more diversity. And what we laid out in the paper um, is really just a lot of statistics and a lot of data that shows that companies with more diverse leadership teams are more profitable. They're more competitive. They reflect the market and the purchasing power of women. Um, So there's really no reason to not all be working towards an anti-racist and inclusive environment. It's financially um, profitable and it's ethically what we need as a nation, right? Um, So we really laid out this trifecta of what investors, board members, C-suite executives, and recruiters can do to work towards this vision, right? And that's anti-bias training, that's anti-racism training, and that's building diversity into your pipeline. Um, A McKinsey report recently showed that for every 100 men that are promoted, and this isn't cannabis, this is just in general um, from thousands of companies that McKinsey looked at, but for every 100 men that are promoted, 72 women are promoted. And when you look at that 100 men, um, 68 Latina women for every 100 men and 58 Black women for every 100 men, right? That's structural. And so you need to disrupt that structure with some of the resources that we included in our toolkit. Awesome. And I understand these toolkits associated with the papers are available to readers for download so that they can actually take them and use them in their own companies after reading the paper. Can you talk more about those toolkits, Elise? Thank you, Bethany, for bringing that up. Um, I think we did a great job of laying out the research and we didn't want to leave readers without tools on how they can implement that in their business. Um, So there are resources for anti-bias training, resources for anti-racism training, and resources for building that into your pipeline. So building diversity 
in and inclusion into your pipeline. Sounds really useful. I mean, it's it's one thing to do the research. It's one thing to read, read the truth, but then to walk your talk kind of. And, and these toolkits are really an empowering resource for um, people in leadership positions in companies or CEOs that want, have the intention of of integrating these um, philosophies into into their business and, and the importance of it, but maybe feel lost. How do I get started, right? So these toolkits are kind of a roadmap to begin. And, you know, sometimes, Bethany, it's not about not knowing where to begin, but also being afraid to begin. Mm. One of the things that Kelly really taught me during the last 10 months um, that we've worked together is about this idea of shame resilience. A lot of times people are, um, you know, so afraid to confront that. And I would love if we had a few minutes for Kelly to speak about shame resilience, because I think that's what the toolkits are also intending to do is to make sure that we are not being being into shame resilience and that this is what the toolkits are going to help people do. Gotcha. Yeah, let's touch on that after we take our last commercial break here. So last commercial break, and then we'll be back to chat more about this gender parity paper uh, when we come back. So stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, and we've been diving into a section of this gender parity paper, uh, which, as I explained earlier in the show, was a effort over many months uh, between many individuals across uh, members of NCIA and the ArcView group and lots of individuals. So um, we've been talking with Elise Kelly and Christine uh, about the section of the paper they three specifically worked on about gender parity in the seat, C-suite and getting to it via anti-racist inclusive strategies. So, um, and we're going to have three more episodes talking with other authors of this massive gender parity paper, which is a collection of about six papers and corresponding toolkits. Um, Kelly, before we took the commercial break, Christine was talking about how companies or individuals may be experiencing a shame resilience in preventing them from implementing some of this, some of these strategies. Uh, Can you dive more into that for a minute or two? 
Yes. Thank you for asking and for bringing it up, Christine. I mean, shame resilience is something we all need all the time. It's just how we pick ourselves back up when we step in it. Like we know that feeling in your gut when you make a mistake and we are taught that we should avoid that feeling at all costs. It is actually also a tool of white supremacy. That kind of idea that we be perfect and that some of us are more valuable than others is why we don't want to. And we, and race has been, you know, such a taboo issue. We don't want to step into doing it wrong. So I really challenged folks and challenged the women on this group to say that, you know, white women in particular have a real opportunity to, to not be so caught up in being kind or making mistakes or being nice that you're, that we're not, you're not able to step into being bold and being brave. This has been a burden carried for a very long time for many people. And especially when we're talking about um, the intersectional nature of feminism, which we ought to be always talking about black women have, we've carried our load, you know, it's time. So Bethany, can you like, what, what is this paper meant to you? What, what have these papers meant to you? Gosh, yeah. Um, By the way, amazing work by everyone, you three ladies, in addition to everybody else involved in the project, it's been, it's been incredible to watch this come together and to now give birth to this research uh, and share it out into the world. And, you know, I guess it, I, I reflected on some of my experiences, you know, I'm almost 40 years old. Um, I have been, I've worked in DC, I've, I've worked in um, technology, I've worked in nonprofits, I've worked in all kinds of, you know, academic, and I've seen it all. I've, I've seen men get promoted over me. I've seen people mistake me for the secretary. I've seen less qualified men get promoted over me. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's confusing. It's confusing and unfair, but, you know, you just kind of, I guess I've just kind of kept my head down. And I think a lot of women under, you know, we feel like, well, this is the way it is. So I guess I have to be the one to adjust. I have to be the one to adapt to this world. And it's, it's really great for me to see something like this with the gender parity paper saying, mm, not necessarily. Let's re, let's re-examine that presumption. Does that make sense, Kelly? It super does. And the thing is, Bethany is like, we're just all people. We aren't, you know, we're not professional researchers. We all have our own work in cannabis. We all have our all work in this world, you know, and we can step up and do better. We know new things. So it's time for new visions. Elise, Christine, anything you want to add? Um, I would only add that I think we have such a great moment in history to really change the way an industry is built and born. And for me, um, writing this paper has really clarified what I want to do in this industry. And it's thanks to writing this paper, but also thanks to Elise and to Kelly and to all the other women um, who helped identify that in these first papers. I assume that there'll be many papers to come, um, but I think that this is one of the first building blocks and that was such an honor to work with everybody. Great. Elise, did you have any other thoughts as we're wrapping our episode today, which I'm sad about because I just want to keep talking with you ladies. Um, I just also want to add that I'm sitting in gratitude right now for having had the opportunity to work with the broader group and specifically with Christine and Kelly on this paper. Um, It's really people in positions of power, investors, board members, C-suite executives and recruiters that can shift this narrative 
Um, and when I came into this paper, I was coming at it. I'm, I'm a white woman. Um, I'm a straight woman. And I was coming at it with my white and straight perspective. And both of these women really helped me um, think more about the intersectionality of the female experience um, and how I as a white woman can stand with the LGBTQIA plus community and people of color um, to really drive a diverse and inclusive industry. Awesome. Thank you. That, thank you for that, Elise. And thanks to Christine and Kelly as well. Really appreciate this. I encourage our listeners to head to either NCIA's website or in fact, go to arcviewgroup.com slash NCIA. And that is a link where you can go begin to download the papers, toolkits, and learn more um, about these white papers as well. Thanks to all three of you for joining me today. And also thanks to our diversity, equity, and inclusion program sponsors over at NCIA, Copper State Farms, Law Offices of Omar Figueroa and Tahoe Wellness Center. And thanks everybody for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.